everyone. Welcome back to Airwave, a student-led anesthesia podcast for medical students. My name is Raven, and I am a second-year medical student at McMaster University. Joining me today is my good friend and co-host, Teresa. Thanks, Raven, for the warm welcome. My name is Teresa, and I'm a second-year medical student at McMaster University. As always, this podcast reflects our own views and not necessarily those of our institution. I'd also like to emphasize that the Airwave podcast is not for medical advice, just good old-fashioned medical education. Today, we will be giving a brief overview of awake intubation and applying the concepts learned in a clinical case. We will be covering the following topics. Review of airway management and indicators of potentially difficult airways. Indications and contraindications of awake airway management. Airway anatomy and innervation. And the flexible fiber optic bronchoscope. And we'll promise to keep it interesting and make sure you stay awake during this podcast. Let's start with airway management. This begins with a focused history and physical exam to evaluate the likelihood of a difficult bass ventilation and laryngoscopy. We covered this in an older episode about preoperative evaluation, but let's summarize some key points for our discussion today. Components of the airway physical exam to predict the ease of intubation include assessing mouth opening, malampati score, mandibular protrusion, thyromental distance, and neck extension. There are also physical features used to assess the ease of bag mass ventilation, which you may remember with the mnemonic bones, presence of a beard, obesity, no teeth, elderly patients, snoring, and sleep apnea. Remember, uh, although individual indices may not be particularly predictive, a combination of tests can be more indicative of a difficult airway. And sure enough, once you look at enough airways, you develop a clinical gestalt of who may be anatomically challenging. Another element to add to the discussion of difficult airways is the concept of physiologically difficult airways. While there are certainly anatomical features that identify patients in whom visualizing the glottic opening or passing the endotracheal tube may be difficult, and these have been traditionally used as measures of difficult airways, there are other patient and contextual factors that can complicate airway management. For example, patients who are hypoxemic are prone to desaturation because of another pathophysiologic process, hemodynamically unstable, have severe metabolic acidosis, or who have right ventricular failure need to have these factors considered in their airway management plan. They will be intolerant of prolonged apnea or the use of large doses of induction agents that may be used to achieve optimal intubating conditions. There are some patient factors that can also affect your airway management. For example, pediatric patients can have altered airway anatomy. The considerations for pediatric airways include large tongues, short and narrow airway diameter, anterior larynx, and a large floppy epiglottis, and the narrowest point of the airway being just past the vocal cords at the level of the cricoid cartilage. Pregnant patients have anatomically difficult airways due to mucosal edema and physiologically difficult airways due to their inherent aspiration risk and rapid time to desaturation. Patients with congenital syndromes such as Pierre-Robin sequence may have facial abnormalities such as micrognathia or relative microglossia. A patient with a mediastinal mass such as a large thyroid goiter may experience tracheal compression leading to airway compromise and symptoms such as difficulty breathing while supine. Pathologies such as tumors, bleeding, and strider may distort or cause stenosis of the airway. If your patient has had surgery in the past, it is always useful to look at a previous anesthetic records to see how the airway was managed, if there was any difficulties or associated complications. And chances are, if they were a grade 3 view before, they'll be difficult once again. Based on this information, you can increase your likelihood of first-pass success by going directly to video laryngoscopy. Now we will specifically discuss awake airway management. This is an important part of the difficult airway algorithm. These are techniques in which patients are conscious and spontaneously breathing during intubation. 
Benefits of awake airway management include maintenance of spontaneous ventilation in a case where the airway may be difficult to secure via traditional laryngoscopy and where bag mask ventilation is likely to be challenging or impossible. This is the primary indication for awake intubations. Other benefits include increased size and patency of the pharynx, relative forward placement of the base of the tongue, and posterior placement of the larynx, reduced risk of aspiration as awake patients retain their muscular tone, and finally, ability to undergo sensory motor testing after intubation and positioning in patients at risk for neurological damage, for example, an unstable C-spine. However, awake airway management also has limitations. This method takes time, which means it may have limited usefulness in an emergency setting. In addition, intubation is a very unpleasant experience, and the patient must be physically and psychologically prepared. For this technique, patient cooperation is key. It is important to explain the importance of and rationale for the procedure so the patient understands why this is part of their anesthetic plan. What are the indications for awake intubation? The decision to proceed with awake airway management is usually done based on clinical judgment that your patient is likely a difficult airway. In addition, as we mentioned earlier, there needs to be enough time to prepare everything for the procedure. The patient also needs to be able to cooperate with the team. Contraindications to awake intubation include patient refusal, inability to cooperate, for example, child, intellectual disability, dementia, or intoxication, and allergy to local anesthetics. Airway bleeding and operator inexperience are also relative contraindications to awake techniques. Next, let's talk about airway anatomy and innervation. This is important because topicalizing the airway with local anesthetics is the key to success, not sedation. The safety of an awake intubation lies in that the patient is spontaneously ventilating and over-sedation can cause respiratory depression, apnea, or airway obstruction. The airway is exquisitely sensitive and richly innervated by cranial nerves 5, 7, 9, and 10. Topical anesthetics blunt protective airway reflexes, which will allow for passage of the endotracheal tube. Again, this is truly the mainstay of awake intubation techniques, and it is important to be generous with your local anesthetics. A caveat to that, however, is intravascular absorption and local anesthetic toxicity. It's important to keep an eye out for signs of local anesthetic systemic toxicity and keep in mind maximum acceptable doses. One common choice of local anesthetic is lidocaine, which has a recommended max dose of 4.5 mg per kilogram. Generally, there are several techniques that are used to topicalize the airway. These include using aerosolized local anesthetic spray, asking your patient to gargle a local anesthetic solution from a cup, or applying gauze pads soaked in local anesthetic held against the piriform fossa. There are also other techniques such as transtracheal blocks that involve injecting local anesthetic into the trachea from the cricothyroid membrane, but that's outside the scope of this episode. The airway can be divided into three anatomical areas that we target our local anesthetic application during awake intubation. First, the nasal cavity and nasal pharynx. This area may or may not require local anesthetic depending on whether or not you are planning for oral or nasal intubation. Some anesthesiologists prefer to prepare this area in case the plan changes from oral to nasal intubation. In addition, preparation of this area can also affect the pharyngeal airway and alleviate some discomfort. Other practitioners do not routinely topicalize this area. This area is innervated by the anterior ethmoidal nerve and the greater and lesser palatine nerves. Number two, the pharynx and the base of the tongue. This area is innervated by the glossopharyngeal nerve. This nerve also controls the afferent limb of the gag reflex, so anesthetizing this nerve is key to comfortable awake intubations. And number three, the hypopharynx, larynx, and trachea. This area is innervated by the branches of the vagus nerve the internal branch of the superior laryngeal nerve, and the recurrent laryngeal nerve. 
Another class of medications that may be considered in an awake technique are anti-sialogogs, such as glycopyrrolate. These agents dry out mucous membranes, which can not only enhance the efficacy of topicalization, but can minimize secretions to aid with visualization. However, this benefit must be balanced against the risk of tachycardia. Awake intubations can be performed in a variety of ways, such as via direct and video laryngoscopy, tracheostomy, and fiber optic intubation. Today, we will be focusing on intubation using a flexible fiber optic bronchoscope. Let's talk about what exactly a fiber optic bronchoscope is. This is a tube-like instrument with a camera at the tip. The insertion cord is generally approximately 60 centimeters long and contains a fiber optic bundle that transmits light and images. The body of the instrument has an eyepiece for the operator to look through, which can be attached to a screen to display what the operator is seeing. It also contains a working channel through which the operator can suction, give oxygen, or administer medications. The distal end of the insertion cord is flexible and can be hinged to be moved by the operator. This instrument is a powerful tool that provides visualization of the airway and allows passage of an endotracheal tube into the trachea. Now, let's put this all together into a case discussion to apply some of the concepts we discussed today. Your patient is a 72-year-old female in the ICU who presents with hoarseness, strider, and respiratory distress due to a vocal cord tumor. She requires a resection of the tumor to relieve airway obstruction. You take a history and find out that she has no metastasis of her disease and has not had any chemo or radiation. Other medical conditions include hypertension, dyslipidemia, and mild COPD. Her medications include metoprolol, rosuvastatin, albuterol, and ipratropium. Vitals are as follows, heart rate 110, blood pressure 143 over 91, respirate 25, and oxygen saturation 92% on 4 liters per minute. Her airway exam shows a number of concerning features. She has malampati 4, limited mouth opening, poor neck extension, and has borderline jaw prognathism. The decision is made to proceed with an awake oreotracheal intubation with flexible fiber optic bronchoscope due to the concern for complete airway obstruction on induction of anesthesia. The anesthetic plan is reviewed with the patient and family and they indicated that they understood and consented to the procedure. The example we are outlining below is only one approach to awake intubations. Keep in mind that the technique can vary depending on the patient's presentation and between practitioners. Let's go through the OR setup. Hopefully our plan will be successful in securing the patient's airway. However, it is essential to always have a backup plan. In this case, we have our ENT colleagues on standby with a tracheostomy kit if a surgical airway is required in an emergency. You position your patient in a semi-sitting position on the OR table. You place standard CAS monitors including a 3-lead ECG, pulse oximeter, and blood pressure cuff and provide oxygen via nasal prongs throughout the procedure to assist with passive oxygenation. You then lubricate and preload the fiber optic bronchoscope with an appropriately sized cuffed endotracheal tube. Now remember, the instinct here might be to sedate your patient so they're more comfortable, but remember the goal behind awake intubation is topicalization, topicalization, topicalization. Make sure you speak with your patient and let them know about this procedure may be uncomfortable and that they will almost certainly be coughing. In fact, coughing can help spread local anesthetic around the airway, so this isn't necessarily a bad thing. That being said, some very mild IV sedation can help keep your patient relaxed as long as they keep spontaneously breathing. Selecting a sedation regimen requires a careful balance between enough to maintain patient comfort and cooperation, but not too much to cause adverse events such as airway loss, hypoxia, or aspiration. Think of a low-dose benzodiazepine, low-dose dexamethasone, or low-dose fentanyl. You will then topicalize the airway. Be patient and go slowly, waiting for the local anesthetic to kick in after each step. 
Stay calm and close to your patient to help them feel comfortable. Our primary targets will be the glossopharyngeal, superior laryngeal, and recurrent laryngeal nerves. Recall that these nerves innervate the base of the tongue, oropharynx, hypopharynx, larynx, and trachea. You can spray aerosolized 2-3% lidocaine in the oropharynx, aiming for the tongue, tonsillar pillars, and back of the throat. You can also ask your patient to gargle 4% viscous lidocaine divided into multiple doses to anesthetize the oropharynx and hypopharynx. Wait 2 minutes between each dose and make sure they spit out the anesthetic afterwards. Soak a 4x4 gauze pad in 4% viscous lidocaine and use McGill forceps to apply it to the patient's tonsillar pillars, holding it for at least 20-30 to 30 seconds. You can now check if your topicalization is effective. You might be able to place an oral airway, if this is tolerable for the patient, then we can proceed with the intubation. Set up your fiber octave bronchoscope and stand above your patient. Typically, this requires a stool standing just above the head. Using the fiber optics bronchoscope, advance into the mouth, identify the pharynx, base of the tongue, and then gradually advance until you're at the epiglottis. At this point, you may spray additional aerosolized lidocaine directly onto the vocal cords, then pass the fiber octave bronchoscope through the vocal cords, confirming tracheal location by visualization of the tracheal rings in the carina. Next, railroad the endotracheal tube down the fiber octave bronchoscope insertion cord and insert it through the vocal cords. Once this is done, check your monitors for return of end tidal CO2 and induce general anesthetic. With the airway now secured, surgery can proceed. Nice work! Perfect! We've successfully intubated a challenging airway using an awake fiber optic approach. Here are some take-home points from our episode today. 1. Awake intubation is a powerful tool for managing difficult airways. 2. Indications for awake intubation include airways for which laryngoscopy and bag mass ventilation will be challenging. 3. Contraindications include patient refusal, inability to cooperate, and allergy to local anesthetics. Relative contraindications include a soiled airway or operator inexperience. 4. The cornerstone of awake airway management is good topicalization of the airway. Key targets include the glossopharyngeal, superior laryngeal, and recurrent laryngeal nerves. And that concludes this podcast episode. We hope that you'll be able to apply what you have learned today to your clinical rotations. We would like to thank our resident content editors, Dr. Peru Panchal, PGY1 Anesthesiology at the University of Toronto, Dr. Alexa Caldwell, PGY2 Anesthesiology at the University of British Columbia, and Dr. Gabriel Simcevich, PGY4 Anesthesiology at McMaster University. And a big thanks to Dr. Cordovani for his continued support. Also, make sure to check out our website for the show notes, tweet us on our Twitter page at Airwave Podcast, and follow us on Instagram at Airwave Podcast for any questions or suggestions. And until next time, keep working hard, stay healthy, stay safe, take some nice deep breaths, and count back from 10.